Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Hi Niall, can you please talk about the fees and charges by vets and other others and the lack of compassion they have? Well, certainly the vet we used. Our dog, Bella, was 10 years old and lately she'd not been holding down food too well. We brought her to the vet a few times and they gave her an injection and each time it cost €90 and it didn't seem to make a difference. I've no idea what the injection was, apart from the fact I think it was an antibiotic of some description. Uh, Two days ago, she seemed to get... Sorry, two weeks ago, she seemed to get worse and the vet said they needed to keep her in as they believed she might have had gastritis uh, and needed observation because she was dehydrating. After a week in the vet... In a cage, which was heartbreaking, he told us he wasn't sure what was wrong and that she may have a tumour or a serious bowel disorder. We asked uh, what the options were, as we love our dog so much. He first sent us out to reception to settle the bill. We were told it was €700, Euro, including treatment and kennels for the week. I could have stayed in the Four Seasons for that. So they wanted €700 Euro and the dog was no better and they had little or no idea what was actually wrong. I told them that I didn't have the money and that we would pay it in instalments. But they said it was because of Bella's age they couldn't accept instalments and we would have to arrange prompt payment. Anyway... Then we waited to see the vet again and he suggested bringing Bella to the UCD Veterinary College but he warned that it could be very expensive. I asked how much and he said, well, they could keep her in and scan her and if there's a tumour and get it removed it could cost a lot of money. I asked uh, what uh, a lot was and he said it depended on what she needed but it could be over a thousand and that wouldn't be unusual. Either way, uh, to diagnose the issue could be thousands depending on what was wrong with her. I could be in for thousands and Bella might still die. And he agreed. He then threw in the bomb and said, if it was my dog, the humane thing would be to put her asleep. I went home crying my eyes out after leaving Bella in the vet again. And we discussed it with the family. And we decided because we don't have a huge amount of money, it was best to put Bella asleep. We just don't have the money. And she was in a lot of pain. I went back into the vet with my brother and he put her asleep in my arms. I went to reception on the way out uh, and we had Bella in a basket and he wanted and wanted to bring her home to bury her out the back. I was informed that we couldn't bring her and bury her in the back, but we just took her anyway. Then the bill was €750 Euro, as they had charged us €50 Euro to put the dog asleep. Please talk about vets. Maybe there are some good ones out there that have a heart, but the one we had clearly had no heart and certainly, as far as I'm concerned, ripped us off. Now, vets are very trained people, by the way, can I point out. You know, they are well trained. They're like doctors. They're like anything else. And, you know, a dog can't tell you what's wrong with them. It's up to the human, the person who owns them, to tell the vet what's wrong with the dog and what the symptoms are. And yes, it can be a little bit confusing sometimes when you leave a dog in, in this case... 700 euro later and you still have no idea what's wrong with the dog and you've just paid 700 quid and then the vet's telling you Ash I'll just put her asleep and charge you another 50 quid to put her asleep because they don't even know what's wrong with her and you've just paid 750 and the dog is dead Mm. you know it's easy to have a go at vets and there are some out there who have absolutely no compassion I get that there are some good vets as well the number is 087-188-0008. Maybe you've had an experience in the vet. I want to know if it was a good or was it bad. I want to hear about the good ones and the bad ones. All right. The number is 087-188-0008. Sharon, who is our <laughs> resident vet, so to speak. Sharon, I mean, did you hear the email? 
I did, and my absolute sympathy goes out to anyone when they've lost their pet. It's a member of the family, as far as I'm concerned. But and it's a bit of a bit of a to... bit of a rip off, isn't it? To some some degree, seven hundred not seven hundred quid, and they've no idea what's wrong with the dog. Yes, Niall. I tell you, right. This is the massive misunderstanding that people have about vets. Okay, I'm the same with people, but you don't really see it so much um, as, as as you do in the health system. But if you if an animal comes into you. You've got what's called a, a set of diagnostics. So your first diagnostic is looking at the animal, feeling the animal, checking things like temperature, whether you can feel any lumps and bumps, you know, things looking at its mouth, up its bottom, things like that. There's things you can check from the outside. That's the basic diagnostic. When that doesn't tell you what's wrong, you have to go on to the next level of diagnostics, and that can be blood tests, fecal analysis, x-rays, scans, all of these things costs a lot of money. This isn't the vet ripping you off. This is your options for having tests done to try and find out what's wrong. And then you can go on to the higher level diagnostics, MRIs, CTs, over a thousand euro pop. Not because the vet's ripping you off, because a CT scanner um, or an MRI scanner costs hundreds of thousands, millions, some of them. They, you know, they, they literally... Yeah, but I got an MRI, I got a CT scan there at the start of the year and it was 180 quid. I know, because they'll put in 10 humans in, in half a day. If you have a CT scanner in, for say, some of the bigger hospitals have them, they'll do one or two CTs. They have to do a full anaesthetic on the animal. The animal has to have a vet and a nurse with it to have the CT. Then, unlike in a, a human hospital where you have a, a whole team of radiologists who can actually look at those CTs and pick up every fine change on them, vets tend to normally have to send them off for, for analysis, which costs money, to find out exactly where the fine changes can you are. Not, can you not look at it yourself? Would you not have a fair idea looking at a CT scan if I, there was something wrong with an animal? I, one day I'll send you a little clip and you can put it on your page. Um, you get a series of shots. It's like doing slices through. I've seen it's the like, videos. Yeah, I've seen yeah, those type of videos. It's like slicing yeah. a, a piece of bread and looking through each piece of bread to see where one grain might have moved out of place amongst the million grains you're looking at. I know. That's they gave me, when I had my CT scan, they gave me a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and they sent a copy to my doctor as well, obviously. And yeah. uh, I brought it That's home. Fine. And and I did what most people do. I put it into my computer and decided to have a look at my own CT scan. And I have no idea what you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's that? It's that juicy looking yeah. thing there. Anyway, I was grand, by the way, can I point out? But but no, but, but so this this dog, right? So they, they believed it might have been gastritis. You'd know what that is. That's something to do with the intestine, isn't it? Or? That's inflamed stomach gastritis. Yeah, okay. You know, so the, that, I don't know, I don't know enough about the case to comment on the... Okay, yeah, but the, the dog was kept in for observation for a week and it was dehydrating, so I assume the dog had to be put on a drip of some description. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously tests were done or whatever. The doctor or the vet came back and said, she may have a tumour or a serious bowel disorder. Now, they didn't know, so they'd have yeah. to send her, you know, if you want any more, you know, investigation into it, because we don't know what's wrong with the dog. But can we have 700 quid, please, for keeping her for the week and checking her out? But you can send her to UCD. That could cost you thousands. Yes, that's, that's not ripping anyone off. That's giving the facts to the owner. There are further diagnostics you can do. I always like to put it to my clients as, you know what? You know, there are options. We could go away and find out what's wrong. But, you know, in certain cases, that's not always the best thing, because you can see... 
that you know you're very lo- unlikely to find something that you're going to be able to change and it's probably not just a you know an impact on somebody's wallet but an impact on building the animal but it's not like a human because if it was a human you wouldn't turn around to a human being and say listen your mother's very sick uh it's going to cost you a lot of money or we can just put her down if you like so you would (laughs) you wouldn't say that about a human being so why would you treat a dog like that i mean and when she said to the vet listen we don't have a lot of money can we pay it in installments and the vet said no because the dog was 12 i mean Niall, I, I, I had a small practice before I had a large practice. And when I sold my small practice, I had made, in three years, I'd made less than 100000 in profit. And out of that, 50000 was actually still sitting there in debt from people that said they were going to pay in installments and never did. And the cost of taking somebody's court to get back five or 600 quid is not... So what do you do? Bad. Okay, well then now answer so me a question, unfortunately, right? Unfortunately, the good people in this situation get tarred with a brush of the bad people, but there are veterinary um, payment plans that you can do through financial institutions that have got more clout at getting the money back. So they pay the vet and you pay them on a payment plan like you would... On a car or things like so, that. So, okay, so, why, okay so I go into you, you fix me dog, and I, I come back to you and you say, well, look, I had the dog for seven days, she was on a drip, I did a load of tests, it's 700 quid, and I say, I don't have a bean. What's my options? Are you going to keep the dog till I pay the money? Or what, what, how does it work? I think there's, there's either, you know, this, this story hasn't got all the details, or then possibly the vet hasn't managed that very well, because we always like to keep people informed as we go along. We'd like to take... You know, Fluffy in for tests, and Fluffy will be here for a couple of days. We charge fifty pound a day to keep them, fifty euros a day to keep them in. Then, if they're on fluids, it's an extra twenty euro a day to be on fluids. Um, if they have to go to night care centres, there are extra charges. But and we give them all the charges, and it has to be the client's choice. And and I guarantee you, hundred times, there's probably eighty clients that you say that to, and they go, no, no, we'll do it, and we don't mind. And then there's twenty clients that say. Yes, we'll do it. We don't mind the cost. But then when you give them the bill, turn around and shout on social media about horrible rip-off vets trying to rip them off for their ill animal. Vets, honestly, this is, this is what I want people to think about, okay? Firstly, vets tend to go into the profession because they care. Secondly, there's around nine cent profit in the pound from veterinary fees. So you work that out. You spend 200 quid at a vet. That's made 18 quid out of that. I don't get, but Sharon, with the greatest respect, I, I, but I know you years. So not and I, know, and I do off. believe what you're they're saying, that you work hard. I don't believe there's only nine cent in the euro. I guarantee you. I guarantee now, you. Now, I is that after you. their salary is taken out of it and, and the I nurse's salary and the assistant salary and every deal? You paid your staff, you paid your staff. Well, okay. Well, that, that's, you you know, rent, well, that's, but, then, but then you're misrepresenting what you're saying. What you're saying is there's nine cent profit. That's what I said. No, no, okay. So that's after everybody's getting paid and making a few quid. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So there isn't only nine cent. There's a lot more than that. No, there isn't. Because vets earn less than train drivers. Don't forget that. A train driver would go out and earn 50, 60 grand. And a vet will earn 30 grand to start off with. And when they're up in a high power position, around 50 grand, it's terribly badly paid. It's very hard hours. It's horrible stress, high suicide rate. Very emotional. Now social media has made so many vets leave the profession because people constantly assault them and abuse them on social media. And you'll actually find we're heading into a veterinary crisis. Staff are leaving the profession in far greater numbers than they are joining the profession. OK, well, look, I have to take a break. Stay there if you can. And maybe you can answer some of the questions that people might have. Uh, the number is 087-188-008. That's 087-188-008. 
have you been to the vet recently? Do you feel you were fairly treated? Um, was the price fair? Were you informed as you went along? I, in this email, to me, I, I, mean, I suppose I can only read the email for what it is. I don't believe it was fair. But then again, Sharon makes the point, they have to charge money. Of course they have to charge money. And nobody, by the way, disputes that. But the money they were charged, do you believe it was fair? And then, and then the option at the end of it was, well, you have to go to UCD and that could charge, it could cost you a couple of thousand as well to go over there, depending on what's wrong with the dog, if it has tumours or whatever it happens to be. So after 750 quid, including having the dog put to sleep, which I assume was the 50 quid, um, they were known the wiser. They didn't know what's wrong with the dog. The vet didn't know what was wrong with the dog. Now they did, I'm assuming, did tests, but no idea what was wrong with the dog after 700 quid. You kind of, you would expect after 700 quid, maybe. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Sharon has explained that quite well there as well. Uh, the number is 87 I want to know your experience at the vet. Purely coincidentally, there happened to be an ad in the middle of the ad break there for pet insurance, blue pet insurance. And I suppose, Sharon, that would be the advisory for everybody from a young age. But the problem is, as the dog gets older, the pet insurance gets more expensive then, doesn't it? As it does with your own private health insurance. You know, of course, there's much more risk on the insurance company of paying out a claim, and insurance is obviously a business as well. But we always do recommend insurance, if possible. Or I say to people, you know, pets will cost money. Um, If you don't want to be paying, you know, £30, £40 a month into an insurance policy, maybe put it in a cash ISA or something, and then you've got a nice little pot of money should you need. Okay, well, here's a question here. Can you ask Sharon why a vet recently charged me €250 for a call-out that was literally there for 10 minutes? Okay, so your plumber would come out to you and charge you 200 quid, and that's okay, and a vet isn't. I mean, literally, I don't know the court, what's happened there. I can't defend every every case. Um, you know, what was it a call out to? Um, a dog, a farm? I mean, vets, for small animals, for pets, tend not to try and do call outs because there's very little you can do at a client's house. Apart from you know, well, an antibiotic injection, maybe, or something like that. Well, yes, exactly. But the, or, the only reason you give antibiotics is on a temperature. And that, you know, literally you're going out with a very limited set of um, tools. You're, you're, you know, you have a very basic diagnostics to look at. Yeah, but I'll I, I give you an example. My partner's cat now gets an antibiotic injection every now and again, right? And it's like 70 quid sterling uh, every now and again, all right? I mean, an antibiotic injection, if I, if I was to get an antibiotic tomorrow, and even in Ireland, which is very expensive, it's only 25 quid for an antibiotic, uh, you know, a thing of well, antibiotics. So that seems like a huge amount of money for an injection. Cost of vet drugs are sadly a lot more expensive than humans because the cost of regulating them and licensing them and everything else um, on the whole is quite a lot higher. But I would suggest probably, you know, Karen's cat probably has something like Convenia which convenient is a long-acting antibiotic, and it costs 200 quid a bottle. Um, and once you open the bottle, you've got less than a week to use it. And this is a situation people don't appreciate, but that's fine. Karen's cat has a, uh, an injection, and it's, you know, it's only a tenth of the bottle, her injection. But if that bottle isn't used in the next few days, it's thrown away. So that 70 quid injection for Karen's cat has cost the vet 200 quid because he's had to use the bottle that has to be thrown away once it's opened. Okay, well, well, stay there a second. Let me just go to Dolores. Dolores, you're in Ireland's classic kids. How you doing, Dolores? Hi, Niall. How are you? Uh, okay, Dolores. You, you've a bit of a problem, and you, you'd kind of like to ask Sharon about it, I think. Go on. Yeah. Um, well, I want to say, Niall, is I'm having a problem at the moment with my vet. My dog, he's a Japanese spit. Very good-looking dog, a lovely dog. Okay. Well, he had three cysts removed from his back on the 7th of May. And they were very small cysts, 
But when I collected them that evening, they were after shaving the whole half, nearly half of his back. All the hair I, all I the see hair. the pictures you've sent me here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, that didn't matter because I thought it would grow again. So that was on the 7th of May, and it's still like that, the picture I sent you. The skin has all gone black. And the hair is not grown back because you shouldn't really shave a, a, a Japanese bit. Their hair is not meant for that to be shaved. Okay. But they did shave them and the hair is not grown back. It cost me 409 euros so far. They're not taking responsibility. They told me he has a hormone problem, which he didn't go in with a hormone problem. He just went in with three cysts. Okay. And it's still ongoing, oil and... Okay, okay, well, well, okay. Well, let's first deal with the, the the skin and why it's gone black and the hairs are not growing back on it. Uh, Sharon, are you familiar with that? You remove a cyst from an area, shave the whole area, and the whole area that was shaved has now gone black and the hair isn't growing back. Okay, um, I fully appreciate, you know, that's obviously a real worry. Um, what I would say, it sounds very likely before she even said... Um, I'd be worried it's a hormone problem, that there's potentially a, a thyroid issue or something there that could have actually caused the cyst in the first place because once you get skin disturbances, you often get cysts and thyroid, you do get bald patches, hair that doesn't grow, hair that falls out coincidentally easily. In the like same, coincidentally in the same area that they shaved? Well, it, I mean, yes, because the, what they've done is they've taken the hair away and where they've taken it away, it hasn't grown back because it's probably not growing. They haven't seen it elsewhere yet on the body. I don't know. I'm saying that's impossible. But if they haven't shaved around um, a surgical area, um, then bacteria would have got in and the dog could have died of septicemia. So unfortunately, from, from a vet's perspective, they have to be um, clinically uh, sterile for surgery. It's just part of our protocol. Yeah, I, I imagine... You'd get okay. If you didn't shave and... and okay, Dolores, I imagine you you did expect it to be shaved somewhat for the cyst no, to be I, removed. Yeah, because he had one removed about two years ago and they just... It was a different vest and he just barely shaved around where... Around where it was, was yeah. Yeah. But where this seems like a large chunk, I'm looking at it here, yeah. He shaved where there was no cyst and no need to shave all that area, if you know what I'm saying. Right, okay. And by the way, is that by the way, Sharon? Is there a thing with some dogs where you shave them and the hair doesn't grow back properly, or something like that? There's certain coat types, there's certain coat colours that grow back differently. Um, for instance, uh, if you've got something like a rag, rag doll or a Siamese cat, we don't tend to spray them on the side because they can grow back brown, like they're brown on the legs and they're brown on their ears once they're shaved. So there are certain breeds and types you have to be careful with, but you still always have to put your sterility and your clinical safety above vanity in a way um, I'm not saying that obviously mm. a big you know I, I'm more concerned that the dog's skin is black and there's an issue here and obviously yeah well it's white the dog has white fur well white hair and it's got this black spot on it now that's bald yeah so I, I mean I, that that would sensibly the next thing to do is to biopsy the skin and do a thyroid test and test for hormone issues um, and find out what it is uh, the trouble is, this is one of those situations that I really appreciate that, you know, there's probably angst on both sides. You know, the client's very unhappy because this has happened and the vet will empathize with that. But also to find out why it's happened, um, you know, it's what do they do? They have to do further tests. So that's an option. But the further test costs, costs money. more money. Yeah. And so they say to the client, well, we can try and find out what's wrong. 
um, the tests are going to cost this much, do you want to do it? And the client says, well, actually, I think you've caused this problem, why should I? Um, and it's a difficult situation because it could actually just be something, what we call subclinical, okay. and something underlying that we didn't know was there. OK, well, well, let me ask, Dolores, have you considered the fact that you're saying that before you brought the dog to the vet, it didn't have a thyroid issue as far as you're concerned? No, no, But no, maybe it no. did. The dog was perfect. He was perfect. There was nothing wrong with him. Yeah, but you wouldn't know a thyroid issue by just looking at a dog. I mean, when you say the dog was perfect, it had it had cysts. So maybe the reason, the point that Sharon is making is the reason it had the cysts was because it had a thyroid issue. Yeah, but why? Well, why didn't when I brought him about the cysts? Why didn't they suggest that to me before they even touched him? I mean, cysts. You wouldn't instantly go, "Oh, there's cysts. Let's test for thyroid," um, because cysts can be caused by huge loads of problems. All cysts are is basically an area of the skin sort of dying and creating a, f- a fluid sac of discharge into it. And they can be watery cysts, they can be thick pasty cysts, there's all sorts of things. And you don't instantly go, you know, like, like somebody's got a cut on the leg, you wouldn't say, oh, have they got diabetes? But actually then you find that diabetic, you know, pe- people, animals, um, actually do, uh, their skin weakens and they do get cuts easier. So there's things that are, are relative in a small number of cases, but you can't go testing every dog that has cysts for thyroid because then everyone would moan. You're just running up bills for testing every dog for thyroid when one in okay, okay. You know, 80 might have. Okay, I have to go to break, but just in relation, so what's your next step to Laura's going to be? Because if you have to get an investigation into whether the dog has yeah, a cyst or well, not, it's going to cost money. The next step, Niall, is to go back um, next next Wednesday, he's to go back to the vet and okay. he's gone. He's going to take another look and come up with some other ideas. I don't know. But my concern... Well, well I suppose the best thing I, I would do if I was in your situation, and maybe this could even cost more money, and I hope not, but is to get a second opinion. If so you're, if you're not happy, yeah. you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, I, I did think of that, Niall, and that's what I was actually going to do before I even go back there next Wednesday. I think I might bring him for a second opinion. I, I think that might be the... If you're not happy and you believe that, you know, the issue is with the vet and you think there's more to it than that, I think getting a second opinion might be the best thing to do. Somebody completely unrelated to the vet. Listen, thank you, Sharon. And thank you um, as well, Dolores, for coming on to talk to us about your problem. But I want to ask in general, you know, how you get on at vets. Do you believe generally you've been given a fair deal? Is it a fair price? Uh, Sharon believes, like every else, everything else, they have expenses and it costs a lot of money to be a veterinary surgeon and it costs a lot of money to buy, of course, all the stuff that you have to buy and all the stuff you have to give dogs and cats and everything else. In other words, so it is an expensive business. Have you been treated by the vet? The number is 087 That's 087-188-008. Somebody says, now we get the prescription from the vet and then order the tablets online. It's far cheaper. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I did the same many years ago for a dog we had. Um, she was on heart tablets, and they were the same heart tablets that human beings get, but they were little red ones. Pardon me, I can't remember what they were called. Excuse me, I have a little bit of wind there. Um, anyway, the tablets from the vet at the time was like £60. It was pounds, it's going back a long, many years ago, a month. We got the same tablets online for £10. But I will warn you, uh, and we did go to a reputable site where you had to give the prescription, etc., etc. But I will warn you, there's a lot of dubious sites similar to ordering any type of uh, prescription um, pharmaceuticals online. You know, you can get dodgy stuff. So I will warn you that if you are ordering online, that you make sure you do it from a legitimate source and make sure you're not doing anything illegal. Because mo- you tend not to be able to order stuff like tablets online anyway, because if unpussed, pick them up. Then take them off you. Let me go to Elaine. Elaine, you're an Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Elaine? Hi, how are you, Niall? You have a nice story. Yes, it's a feel-good story. Um, it started off, my husband, who loves animals, uh, came across a racing pigeon that had had a 
some damage to its wing. Uh, so it had flown into our house and, um, well, into the sort of the yard where my husband was working. And because he loves animals, there was nothing else wrong with the pigeon, but he detected that there was something wrong with the wing. So he went to a lot of trouble to make a little splint um, found, you know, what pigeons would normally roost in. He, he put him into that and got him some water and little worms and things to eat. And he just wanted, you know, to have something done for this pigeon. He rang the Racing Society for Ireland and they said, there's nothing you can do, you might as well put him down. He tried ringing the ISPCA and they said, there's nothing we can do. And in the end, as a last resort, he rang Jerry Ryan on RTE 2 <laughs> Right. This is, this is a while ago, yeah, go on. This is a while ago. Yeah. And Jerry Ryan said, for goodness sake, is there not a vet near where John lives in Lockray, County Galway, that can help him with this pigeon? Because it was a racing pigeon. It even had its little name on its foot called The Rock. Right. Um, anyway, the Rock. Okay. It was yeah. called The Rock, yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, the, the, a local vet did contact John from Barrack Street in Lockray and said that we could bring the pigeon up to him and he would have a look at it. So we did. We brought this pigeon up to the vet and he said that there was a problem with the wing, but he would keep the pigeon. Um, and he did. He kept that pigeon for two or three years. Uh, no cost, completely free. And we had a small Jack Russell terrier and we had to go in with this little dog for something. And my husband asked the, the vet about the pigeon. and He said, oh, yeah, he was here for another couple of years with us. And John said, oh, did he die? And he said, no, the dog ate him. Oh, jeepers. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it was, but it, it was a feel-good story, no. It was a feel-good story. That, wasn't that, that nice of the vet to do that? And by the way, can really I point nice. out, as Sharon rightly said, you know, not all vets are out there to, you know, exactly. screw you for every penny, or not all vets are bad people. Now, don't get me wrong. Like every industry, there are going to be unscrupulous people who will try to make the most amount of money. That goes for every industry in the world. But I think, like doctors, vets are people who genuinely care about animals. I think maybe they get a little bit misunderstood by times. Uh, because, I, you know, as Sharon pointed out there for the last 15 minutes, it does cost money. You know what I mean? It costs yeah. money to train to be a vet. It costs money, you know, to provide all this equipment. It costs money to provide medication. And, and she pointed out in relation to the cat that I was talking about, uh, about yeah. the antibiotics and how that can cost money. So, you know, I understand this email is angry. But, I, you know, I, I, it, they are like little humans. They are our family. You know what I mean? And we have yeah. to look after them. And this little pigeon, by the way, <laughs> he, obviously, yeah. he got looked after in the end. That's a feel-good story. <laughs> he did, he did. And I mean, that, that was very kind to do that. And yeah, of course, cost, of course. You know? so, so we thought that was a lovely story. All right, listen, thanks very much for that. A nice story. It's nice to get a feel-good story on a Friday, isn't it? Alex, you're an Ireland's classic kid. Alex, you're, uh, you're not happy. No, I'm I'm really not happy now with how you're painting the veterinary industry. <laughs> oh, would you stop? I've just had Sharon on for the last fifteen minutes telling me how wonderful vets were. <laughs> yeah, well, she's dead. She's dead right. I, and so, I, by the way, and so has our previous caller about the pigeon telling us how wonderful vets are. I was just reading out an email. See, you have to understand, Alex. Not everybody is happy with vets. Yeah, but you're giving out about having to pay seventy euro for an injection for a cat. Yeah, no, I asked. I didn't give out. I asked about it. Why did I have to pay seventy euro for an injection for a cat? Yeah, well, you you don't understand. Like the veterinary industry is not subsidised by the HSE or anything like that. You said you paid one hundred and fifty euro for an MRI. That's well and good, but that's the vets don't have the subsidies. For that. And I think Sharon explained that really well. So yes. why are you upset? 
I just I think that um, you're talking about a, a profession that has the highest suicide rate of any. Oh my! Well, I I wasn't aware of that, but I'm, I mean, uh, yeah, you are, and uh, you. Um, I I don't really... I don't know if I mean with the greatest respect, and that's a really sad statistic, by the way, if that is the case, right? And I'm not aware of that, but I don't know if that's relevant to what I'm actually talking about today. It is because um, uh, to the being, cost. The well, yes. Uh, yeah, um, the cost of our treatment is something we're abused about on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it really takes its toll on staff. Mm-hmm. And um, veterinary staff do, uh, unlike what the public perception is, we do not earn big bucks. <laughs> and I not- never suggested you did. I don't think you're just driving around in Ferraris. I don't. No, we're not. And, um, and Sharon's um, calculation of nine cent on the on the euro is absolutely accurate. That mm. is the profit margin. You compare that to the profit margin of parents buying a pair of Nike runners, that's uh, 500%. All right, so in uh, other words, if you can afford 180 quid for a pair of Nike runners for your kid, what are you moaning about a vet for? Yeah, no, I, not, I get not, that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the constant abuse of veterinary staff for the price of care is completely unfounded. Do you okay, but would you not agree? And I I have said on numerous times today that I believe the majority of vets out there are good people and want the best for their clients and for the animals and they're passionate about the animals. But would you not agree that there are vets out there that take advantage of people? I can't speak for that. I, I don't work in a, I don't work in a place that does take advantage. Absolutely. Of I'm not people. saying you do, but I'm just saying it would be bizarre to think that that doesn't happen as well. Yeah, but that happens in every walk of life. Absolutely. So why vet, why, but why are vets being victimised? Vets are not being victimised. We just happen to be talking about vets today. We talk about clamping earlier on. We talk about other industries. We just happen to be talking about vets right now. Well, oh, Are we oh, not allowed to talk about vets? Of course you are. Of well, course well, you then, are. well, then what's the problem? I'm, I'm just saying, I, we've said on numerous occasions throughout the day today that the majority of them do a great job and they're passionate about their job. Sharma's on to defend the, the industry as she did extremely well. And then we've had a nice little feel-good story then after Sharon as well about a pigeon and a vet who looked after him for two years. And, and you're giving out to me. I'm, I'm not giving out to you. I'm just saying that I feel like what you're saying is unfair. Like, you're just making flippant comments like... Uh, oh, 70 quid for an injection. You I know. I said, why did I pay 70 euro for an injection for an antibiotic when I can get one for myself for 25 as a human being? And then Sharon explained it to me. Yeah, and yeah, it's not the same thing. So oh, I'm well aware of that, and I think she explained that as well. I think all that was already explained. Alex, I've run out of time. If you want to come back on on Monday, because we will be continuing the conversation on Monday, you're quite welcome to come on and explain how wonderful every vet in the country was in that respect, okay? And I appreciate your, your comment. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.